uh, we come to the end of our 10 sermon series on the life and work of Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, it's a surprise ending. We like our Bible stories to end with a bang. Israel escaping from Egypt through the watery walls of the Red Sea. The walls of Jericho tumbling down. David decking Goliath with his slingshot. You hear a Bible story like that and you're ready to sing a song and go home happy. Amen? (laughs) The best ending in the Bible, of course, is the ending we celebrate today. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Every time we read this story from the Gospels, it gets us, right? It gets us. It's great. Well, except maybe for the Gospel of Mark. The fact is, Mark wrote sort of the black sheep of Bible story endings. And we don't quite know what to do with it. I'll let you in on a secret. I've never preached from Mark's account of the resurrection on an Easter Sunday. I just didn't know what to do with it. All my years of preaching, I just didn't know what to do with Mark's account of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So I preached from the other Gospels, liberally. So I knew it was time, as I'm coming up to retirement, I knew I had to repent. (laughs) I knew I had to repent, and I knew I had to preach from Mark's account of the resurrection. But honestly, we don't quite know what to do with Mark's account. So we do tend to to read and preach from the other Gospels. You read the end of Mark, and you wonder what happened to this guy. Like, if he got writer's block just before he came to the end, or if his printer ran out of ink or papyrus, you know. So here's the ending of the resurrection story as Mark wrote it in chapter 16, verse 8 of his Gospel. This is the last verse that Mark wrote in his Gospel. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Amen. (laughs) What kind of an ending is that? The Bible's other Gospels storytellers emphasize the joy. Mark emphasizes the fear. He piles up these heart-pounding, breathless words. Look at them again. Trembling, bewildered, fled afraid. What kind of gospel, what kind of good news story ends with because they were afraid? It isn't that the women's fear was irrational. It wasn't. It just isn't a great place to end the story. Let's go back to verse 1 and read Mark's account. Chapter 16, the first eight verses. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Can you picture that? Their breath caught in their throats. Their hearts started pounding. Oh, yours would too, and so would mine. Imagine ducking through the low entrance of a family mausoleum at the cemetery, and you're expecting to find the corpse of your deceased loved one, 
but instead seeing a young man in bright white clothing. Matthew says that his clothing was like lightning. He's sitting there patiently, smiling, waiting for you. Admit it, it's a bit creepy. (laughs) Who is this guy smiling at us in the tomb? It would give you a start. They were alarmed, and you and I would be too. The angel, for that's who this person in white was, said what angels always seem to say on these occasions. Don't be alarmed, he said. Don't be alarmed. Right, what was I thinking? (laughs) Being alarmed at the sight of an angel in a white robe sitting in an open tomb with the body missing. I mean, why would I be alarmed? (laughs) Are you kidding me? (laughs) Verse 6, don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. The women had had peered past the young man sitting on the ledge where Jesus' dead, linen-wrapped body had been placed, and the body was gone. The wrappings were still there, but he was gone. Why was that angel there? He wasn't guarding anything. There was nothing to guard. He wasn't attending to Jesus. Jesus was not there. He was, you might say, a translator. He was a translator. What the woman found would have made no sense if he had not translated for them. I don't know what conclusion the women would have come to left to their own imaginations. But without the angel, they would not have gotten the story straight. He has risen. He has risen. He's not here, the angel tells them. We have to remember that no one, not one person since time began had ever, ever seen or heard anything like what those women saw and heard that morning. No wonder they were afraid. No wonder they were alarmed. You and I would be too. But whatever their confusion, they knew one thing. They knew deep within that the world had just changed. That the world had just changed and it would never go back to the way it was. Verse 8 says they were bewildered. The Greek word has the idea of a mind that has stepped on a banana peel. That's my loose translation. Can you picture that? Can you feel the whoops that your brain would do? (laughs) You know, as it slipped on what it saw? What does it mean? What does it mean when a man dead and buried for two nights is now alive? What does it mean that the risen Jesus was so strong that neither the cross nor the tombstone could hold him back? What does it mean that this is so important that God sends an angel to announce and interpret this? What does it mean that Jesus is so merciful that the disciples, and Peter especially, who had abandoned and denied Jesus in the hour of his greatest need at the time of his death, they are now welcomed to meet him alive from the dead. And what does this mean that Jesus was so knowing 
that he had predicted all of this before it happened. How can all of this be? Don't be alarmed. Angels must get a kick out of saying that. What do we do? What do we make of Mark's ending? The ending is so not right that people have been trying to fix it ever since. Some people have decided that Mark's real ending must have been lost inadvertently, by accident, torn off the manuscript, or something like that. But I just cannot believe that God would let a crucial part of his word get lost. I don't think so. Over time, people wrote new endings. You've got at least one of them printed right there in your Bible. If you look, you'll see verses 9 through 20. But there's always a line before verses 9 through 20 of Mark 16 that says something like this. The most reliable early manuscripts do not have these verses. Virtually no Bible scholar believes that Mark wrote those last verses. They were written maybe three to four hundred years later. But you know how we are. You know, somebody had to do something about that ending. (laughs) Actually, maybe the Holy Spirit knew what he was doing. Hmm. I believe that Mark liked writing it that way, and that's why he did. Leaving an idea hanging. Just leaving that idea hanging. Where did he learn that? He learned that from Jesus. Jesus was doing that all the time. You see many times in the Gospels that Jesus likes to leave people with a look of, say what, on their faces. Their minds slipping on that banana peel. You know, and retracing what they just heard, what they just saw. So I feel like Mark is the Bible's mystery writer. All the way to the end of this gospel of his, God is working out a mind-bending mystery in Jesus Christ. And Mark, he gives us all the clues, and then he waits for us to see it, to get it, and for it to get us. It wasn't that Mark did not know the whole story or that he ran out of writing materials. He knew what the other Gospels tell us, that these women quickly found their tongues and told the disciples what they had seen and heard. Mark knew that the fear that gripped those women was soon turned to joy and to faith. Mark knew that Jesus appeared several times to well over 500 witnesses over 40 days before he ascended back to heaven. So why didn't Mark say so? Why did he end his gospel like this? I love how one author, Lamar Williamson, answered that in his book entitled simply Mark. Here's what he wrote. When is an ending not the end? When is an ending not the end? When a dead man rises from a tomb. Mark's ending is no end. Only the reader can bring closure. The Holy Spirit has been writing great endings for Mark's gospel for more than 2,000 years. The Holy Spirit has been writing great endings for Mark's gospel for more than 2,000 years. A great new ending is written every time someone comes to faith in Christ and follows him. 
and says, Jesus lives and so shall I. Jesus lives and so shall I. Within hours, Jesus' disciples began to put the pieces together. They saw that Jesus was crucified in our place for the sin that would have condemned us to hell. And they realized that when he rose to life, he broke the back of sin's hold on us. He pushed death out of our way as surely as he moved that great tombstone. Now, death will still come to these mortal bodies of ours. We feel that with each passing year, don't we? But Jesus took away the sting and the poison of death. Death no longer has the last word on us. Jesus does. (laughs) Jesus has the last word. He is Lord. And he is Lord even over death. A Christian is simply a person who has died and risen again with Christ. You have died and risen again with Christ. Jesus says to us, let me do those terrifying things for you. Let me face God's judgment for your sin. Let me take the worst of death for you. And Christians are simply ordinary people who believe Jesus means what he says, that he will do that. And they say to him, yes, Lord, thank you, Lord, please do. I need you. Please save me from that. And he does. I ran across a modern version of this story a few years ago. A woman who did not yet know Christ had gone to a Christian funeral in an African-American church. And the celebration of hope there, the singing and the joy, literally terrified her. She was terrified. She could not imagine how people could react that way to a death. So She ran from the grave, you might say, trembling and bewildered and afraid. Well, a Christian friend of hers brought her to her pastor to have a conversation about it. And when the pastor told that woman that Christians lose their fear of death and hell because of our faith in a risen Christ who forgives all our sins and makes us right with God, well, she prayed right there on the spot to receive Christ, and she went home rejoicing. Like I said, the Holy Spirit has been writing great endings to Mark's gospel for 2,000 years, as I think Mark expected. Great endings as people come alive through this risen Christ. Great endings. I think Mark would have loved them. Here's another one, and I'll end with this. I read recently about a couple named Laura and Greg. 25 years ago, uh, they had called a pastor uh, wanting to get married. He tried to give them the brush off. They were not followers of Christ. They just wanted a nice church wedding. The pastor wasn't feeling so nice that day. I have to admit, I could have been that pastor. I probably have been that pastor. (laughs) This pastor later admitted that he was pretty gruff with them. He told Laura that getting married in a church would not win them any more favors with God than if they got married under the blue light at Kmart. (laughs) Yeah, that's a pastor who's having a bad day. (laughs) Yeah. 
He said that if they didn't have God in their lives, a church wedding would not do them any good. Laura then said to him, well, if you won't marry us, would you at least talk to us some more about this? The pastor was so embarrassed by his attitude, and he said, yes, of course. And uh, amazingly, they came in to see him. (laughs) During that visit, after they got acquainted, the pastor explained the good news of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when he told them how our sin has killed us inside and is condemned by a righteous God, they understood. When he told them that Jesus died to put our sins to death and pay the price for them. And he rose from the dead to give us new life. They understood. When he asked if they would like to put their faith in Jesus Christ, they could hardly wait. They each prayed, confessing their sin and asking Christ to forgive and save them. Well, Laura and that pastor talked about that day 25 years later. And she recalled how she felt She said, I wanted to ask you if I could get up on your desk and dance. She said that when she rode home behind Greg on his motorcycle, she yelled, oh, I feel so good. And Greg had to tell her to quit squeezing him so hard, she was cutting off his circulation. She said she remembered thinking, I feel like I just took the best shower of my life. There are lots of great endings to Mark's story. And that's one of them. Maybe you have one too. Or maybe today is your day to write one. A great ending, not only for Mark's story, but for your story too. So today on this Easter Sunday, let's celebrate great endings to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The great ending that he is Lord over sin. The great ending that he is Lord over death. The great ending that he is Lord over all of life. Lord of all. Lord of me. Lord of you. (laughs) And perhaps much to our great surprise. But definitely for our good. For God's glory. As he is bringing salvation to many sons and daughters and bringing them home. By the grace of God alone, I get to be one of them. What about you? What about you? Don't miss out. Don't miss out on writing a great ending. Don't be fooled. You may have remembered that today is April 1st on the calendar. And that means that Easter Sunday falls this year on the day also known as April Fool's Day. Don't be fooled today. Don't get fooled today. Don't write this off. Don't be fooled about the greatest surprise in all of human history from the dawn of time. Surprise! (laughs) He is risen. He is risen. Amen and amen. Praise God. We come to the Lord's table today. This is another surprise to me, that Jesus Christ, the risen Lord, invites us to come to his table. I want you to listen to the words of the Apostle John in uh, chapter 20 of his gospel. And this is the evening of that very first Easter Sunday. Verse 19 of John 20. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, 
with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. 